Hello and welcome back to the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Brad. How are you, Brad? Good, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, I guess I, I had you on last week when we were doing our uh, flashback episode looking back at the 2014-15 season, but it's uh, it's good to be talking City again with um, a game coming up this weekend. Are you excited for the action to be back? I am, mate. I uh, probably didn't quite get used to having such late nights when the World Cup is on, but now <laughs> it's for being on the west side of Australia, there's the times it's not too bad for City games. Yeah, well, even, I mean, we'll talk about the uh, the Watford game towards the end of the episode, but 2 a.m. Sunday morning, uh, Sunday evening, I should say, Monday morning is um, a reasonably unique time slot, I guess, with no Premier League action on. They've spread the uh, championship fixture out, but it's going to be a bit of a battle here on the East Coast. Um, but at least we had we had a good time for the uh, Socceroos game against Argentina, which was a much more challenging time for yourself. Yeah, it's... Um always sort of amazes me how you decide at the last minute whether you're actually getting up for these games or not. But I haven't regretted it yet. And uh, this year, I think I've only had one City game that I've decided to go to bed and not stay up for. And I think we got belted. So at the moment, my judgment's not too bad. So fingers crossed this week, City do the right thing for us. Yeah, and, and not to get too sidetracked, but I mean, it would be good. The more games that we have on KO or uh, BN Sports, really, the better, because it does mean that if we do end up kind of phoning it in and, and going to sleep, you can actually get up in the morning and watch the replay straight away. It'd be nice if um, iFollow had the same feature, but I um, suspect that's a little way off. But uh, look, yeah, look, we'll, we'll get into it. We've got that that Reading fixture just before the break to cover. We'll just do a quick recap of that because it is a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, we just didn't do an episode after that game at the time. Um, pretty disappointing way to lose the game, I thought. Uh, last minute of the game, you know, really kind of uh, unfortunate own goal off Longman um, had, had looked reasonably sharp during the game. Um, probably should have been two nil up when Slater kind of fluffed a, a chance at an open goal, but uh, yeah, just a really disappointing way to go into the break, I guess. Look, it was, and I think, you know, anytime you can see an own goal, you're not happy, but the fact that it was so late as well was a real sort of dagger to the heart, if you like. And I mean, most of us would have said that, Playing against Reading, a point would be not a bad result, if you like, in, in the scheme of how things have been going. So to cop that so late as well, I mean, I don't even know. We were past 90 minutes, weren't we? Yeah, I think it was like 92nd, 93rd minute, yeah. So you're just sort of thinking, what what into the build-up to that situation could we have done differently? But... Look, the, the point at the moment, I suppose, is is that that was coming up to a month ago. So yeah. we could just draw a line under it, absolutely. Move on and a new season, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess the last thing on it, though, uh, a nice positive that Greaves got. Um, I mean, he scored a scrappy goal a couple of games previously, but to get a, a really well-worked set-piece goal in this game, um, hopefully is a sign that he'll manage to get a few more um, over the coming weeks. Yeah, probably the thing that has impressed me, I suppose, although we know what he's like, the way he moves up the pitch for his size, um, he's got good pace, but also the fact that he is, is getting on the goal sheet, obviously a bit more rapid in the last few games, but it's just good to see because really we see him as our best or one of our best defenders 
But if he's chiming in with goals, it's going to go a long way to help us if the rest of the squad are, uh, are up and about for the second half of the season. Yeah, no doubt. Um, cool. Okay, well, I'll give my uh, votes for this game. And then if you've, if you've got votes as well, um, we can do those as well. Um, I gave the three votes to Baxter, which um, I suppose is a little bit surprising in a two-one defeat. But I thought uh, he made a couple of really smart saves. There was a, um, a Hoylet shot just before their first goal, which he palmed away really well. Um, I think they had another decent chance later in the game, which he reacted to quite well as well. So I think he's starting to come back into a bit of form that we saw last season, which um, is is obviously great to see. Um, I gave Greaves the two votes. I thought it was a, a really well-worked goal. And as you say, I think his, his general play around the pitch, um, the way he can carry the ball up, up the field. I mean, he's playing more at left back at the moment, which is um, surprisingly working out for him quite well. It, it's sort of like, I mean, we played Maguire at right back at one stage, I think, uh, years ago, and it was not not quite as successful. But um, Greaves, as that sort of more mobile big man, uh, is actually working out quite well at left back, I find. Um, and then the one vote I just gave to Seri, who I thought had a, a pretty strong game, um, as, he's, as he's tended to do in recent games. Yeah, look, I think probably I'd give three to Greaves just because he scored. And like you said, I mean, the fact that he... He definitely played at left back in, in the previous games and we've played with that back three. He's played on that left side. But I don't know, maybe I'm just isolating him too much lately, but I feel almost like we've got a six-foot-plus wing back who can play in the centre. Like, that's what he feels like. Yeah. The way he really moves up that pitch. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see his mileage on the GPS um, since he's been playing on that left-hand side because... Even the, the the previous game you mentioned when he scored, it was a bit scrappy. But in the build-up to that, we, we could have scored two, the way he passed balls in. And he's actually fizzing balls in with a good bit of pace. So maybe I'm just giving him three votes because of the last few games. But um, I, I didn't really have a 3-2-1, but I, I was just happy that Greaves scored and played well. And I actually think Baxter was, was worthy of a vote or two because I think that in a game that could have been a bit different, uh, a bit earlier, um, he sort of gave us that little patch there in the second half when we sort of drifted away a bit. He made a couple of great saves and I think probably um, almost sort of defensively commanded that back four to be a bit tighter because we definitely started that game so well and looked we looked a million bucks for half an hour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I almost think in the second half, if, if Baxter and probably Greaves don't play as well as they do, then we're we're not conceding in the 90th minute. We're conceding multiple times in the second half. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and 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 on Greaves as well. I mean, he's playing 90 minutes almost every game. So the fact he's doing that from um, a fullback position now, so the kilometres, as you say, that he's clocking up now, um, is probably even more impressive from him. Yeah, I think so too. And the thing I like is he can pass the ball. And yeah. I think probably in the past, he's mainly been a bit too defensive-minded. Um, obviously, as a defender, he has to be. But the way he's played the, the ball up the park, we're actually almost getting that wing-back type structure from him. But he is still playing that defender's role. So, um, yeah, been pretty impressed with him, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, we'll move on then and I guess have like a bit of a roundup of um, the news and events over the break um, that we've had. Um, obviously, the, the squad flew over to Turkey for a couple of um, 
you'd only, I guess you'd call them preseason games, mid-season games, um, both of which finished 1-1. Um, watched on by, I think it was 300 City supporters that Ajun flew over to Turkey for that 10-day trip where you know they watched the England-Wales game, they went to the training sessions, they got a Q&A with Rosinha, um, all funded by, by the owner, supplied with uh, copious amounts of uh, FS beer um, as one of our sponsors as well, which is... Um, you know, it's pretty unique. I think Ryan Woods gave an interview after the trip just to say that, you know, that connection between the owner and the fans is such a um, such a unique one in a way that we have now um, that we're sort of developing um, with this sort of trip and and, and sort of the, the affinity that the fans really have for Ajun and, and everyone involved with the club at the moment. Well, yeah, mate. And I think probably I remember when he first took over, he said he was going to do things a bit differently and... Um, he certainly lived up to that so far. I mean, first of all, his relationship with the previous manager, I thought, was one of those situations where he won't break mm. it. But, of course, he's, he is results-focused, and that's that. And Obviously, brings in a new manager and wasn't too upset about whether he upset anyone else along the way. So that we, we were sort of impressed with that. But then taking fans on the road like that, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um and I'm wondering if he wants to do some sort of Australasian tour and pick a few up on the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that he's clearly he's clearly a guy that wants the fans to know that he's a fan too. Um, and, he, you know, bribery will get you a long way in some cases. But I think the fact that the squad's overseas, playing football, supporters are following... Um, He's really thinking a bit outside the box, which, to be honest, is something we haven't had previously. Um, and, okay, the results might not be there on the pitch, but it's a pretty special thing to do, even if it is only for a few hundred fans. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, the interesting thing about this was when it was first announced, um, I met it with a, a little bit of scepticism, I think, because it sounded very ambitious to just say, oh, you know, we're going to take all these supporters over to Turkey. We're going to give them an all-expenses-paid holiday. It's going to be great. And it got delayed, and you sort of start to think, oh, is it just going to keep getting delayed and then get forgotten about? Because I think the Alums mentioned something about doing, like, a sports village around the stadium or something along those lines. or They'd suggested some big thing, and then it just, oh, no, that's what it was. It was that friendly with the Egyptian club after they'd had um, – I think there was like a disaster in Egypt or something. And they said they were going to do this friendly with the Egyptian club um, to raise money for it or something. And it, it just sort of kept getting delayed and kept getting sort of not really talked about. And it just sort of went away and didn't actually happen. And that just reminded me of that a little bit with like the, the owners sort of having this big sort of ambitious idea of doing something and then it not quite happening. Um, so the fact that it's actually happened and he's sort of a man of his word and he's, he's done it and, I think he has said that, you know, they'd look to do it again, which is great. And yeah, I was telling a few friends at the pub last night and they said, yeah, you know, maybe they can all fly out to Australia and you can go along for that instead. So <laughs> it would be nice if they if they came out to this side of the world at some stage. Um, but look, as you say, I mean, you know, bribery does help a little bit. Like, you know, the results aren't there on the pitch, but I don't think there's any sort of um, bad bad blood or bad sentiment towards Ajun because he is an owner who shows how much he cares about the supporters and what he can do for the club, um, which is really great to see. Uh, and look, mate, I, I suppose it is good to see. And, and the key thing that at the moment we can only judge him on is, is he doing what he says? Um, yeah. And so far, 
I mean, I know there was talk when he took over, he thinks the club should be in the Premier League and those sorts of things, but we know at the time he was quoted as saying, look, we've just got to be a strong club. It doesn't matter too much what division we're in, although he'd like to be in the Premier League. Um, he wants his fans to be, you know, filling the stadium and be really proud and a big family. That's what he keeps saying. And he's certainly doing the right thing. Um, even if it is only for a few hundred fans, he's showing a lot of us who are a long way away that he's definitely quite keen to get his influence and his flair into into the club and try that family approach. Yeah, and, and, and you know, when you think that there's all this talk as well, I think he did a Q&A in Turkey as well. There was talk, I think, from him about buying a buying another club somewhere to be a feeder club for us and wanting to redevelop the stadium and, and do all of, and put the training center near the stadium. And there's a lot of ambition. And I, you know, I sort of, I wonder if he necessarily has the funding to actually achieve a lot of that stuff, but it's great to see him expressing that ambition and expressing those sorts of ideas and vision for the club of where it could end up and, and what it could actually um, eventuate in being under his ownership. It's uh, it's quite exciting. Absolutely, and I'm sure, as a joke, he probably hasn't met with the city council yet because they'd stop a few of his plans. But I think he's the sort of guy that probably sees a bit of the Man City model yep. and realises that we're not Man City, but we could certainly be, you know, a smaller version of A budget version, yeah. Yeah, and um, that's ideally what he wants. He probably doesn't want to have a big, big club. Anyway, he probably wants that... You know, if we've got the a community feel, yeah, yeah, um, that he's entrenched in too. That's the difference. Um, and I know we'll talk about other things in a moment. But as an owner, he is entrenched and wants to be in the fans' face. He wants. He is a fan. Yeah. No. No doubt. Uh, yeah. No. Just quickly before we do move on to those other matters um, on the field, a uh, couple of injuries or or a couple of players still out injured. Um, Baxter, I think, went back to Chelsea to to get a, an injury treated. I think it was a knee or an ankle or something like that. Um, so a little bit concerning to see if he's out for any decent amount of time with that. Um, it did mean though that we saw Lotitala play a part in both of the friendlies, you know, from all reports was quite impressive. Uh, wasn't overly tested. I mean, they were just friendly games, but uh, good to see him getting a few minutes in the senior team as well. And, and obviously we've got Ingram who's a more than capable keeper to step in for Baxter. Um, and then the other one, I guess, a bit more of a concern is I would have hoped to see um, Elia get a few minutes uh, in his return from injury because I think they said he'd be back after the World Cup. Um, but maybe they maybe they literally mean after the World Cup and he won't be back for another couple of weeks. But um, hopefully he's not too far away. Yeah, I, I think the good thing is, like like you were saying, with the, the um, low Tatala that, most of us, we're a long way away here, of course, but most supporters of the club would be happy just to see these guys actually get some game time so we can see what they're really like. I mean, the, the story with Baxter, has there been anything in the last few days about what the injury actually is? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have a look for it now, see if I can find something. Yeah, it, it was more just the fact that I know he's obviously going back to his parent club for the treatment. We all understand that. But I haven't seen too much about what the actual injury is. And that was probably what I was more concerned about, that are we going to get a surprise where we find out that he's actually well, somewhat more injured than we first think? Yeah, so, so apparently Resenius said he um, 
He's been playing with an injury. There's a bit of damage to the ligament in part of his ankle. We want to make sure that he's 100% right and for him to get the best possible treatment and care. So actually that, that sounds reasonably positive because what that suggests to me is that it wasn't stopping him from playing, but because we've now got this break where he can go and get patched up and, um, you know, sort of get back to 100% fitness, they'll send him back to Chelsea where they can look after him as, as their player. You know, potentially it means that they're sort of paying for the treatment as well, which probably helps. Um, but it, that that the way that that's sort of phrased, it does make me a little bit more reassured that it's not actually too serious. Um, but I guess we'll we'll see if he's in the lineup against Watford. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the case. Um, okay, well, yeah. So on the on the topic of owners, um, of course, there was the very sad news just a few days ago that Asem Alam had passed away, age of eighty two, I believe. Um, I mean, we'd, we'd known for a while that he was quite unwell. There was a few stories over the last few years about his um, his health battles. Um, but, of, of course, it's it's quite sad news um, to, to, to hear of his passing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of controversy around the Alum's ownership of the club over the last 10 years. Um, but at this sort of time, I think it's really, it's really worth just remembering the really good times that he brought to the club and to the city as a whole. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the amount of money that he donated to medical facilities and infrastructure around the city, um, brought some of the best spells of football that city have seen in their history, two different spells in the Premier League under his ownership, an FA Cup final, a first European trip that, you know, we were just talking about last week on our flashback episode. Um, there's a lot of a lot of good that he and his family have done for the city, and it's 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 really sad news at this time. Yeah, look, it is, and we all had our our, our issues, let's say, with the Alums as owners in the end there. But I think part of that, to be fair to the to the older statesmen, let's say, is that uh, certainly in the early days when Assam was clearly running the show, we obviously went through some great periods on the field, but also off the field. Um, and I think, you know, there's been a lot of conjecture over forums and different chats over the time that it was only when really Ehab took over that we saw the Alums become more of enemy number one than than anything else. But, I mean, as a man, he clearly obviously has done a lot for the community and, and those sorts of things, which, um, you know, that doesn't happen too often or it's a rare commodity these days. So... Uh, it's sad, and, and and like we'll talk about in a minute, he, he brought a lot of joy and hope to us while it was on his reign, if you like, um, with a club that was staring down the barrel under the previous owners and regime that uh, he, he reunited the club somewhat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we were basically facing a winding up order, I believe, when they um, took ownership of the club back in 2010, um, plowed a huge amount of money into the club. And, you know, some people will say that they basically managed to get that money back by the time they sold the club, which is entirely their right. And I think I think sometimes there's that line blurred between people just sort of expecting club owners to just write a blank check or, or write off a whole heap of losses over their ownership in order to be good owners. And that for an owner to make any money out of a club is somehow seen as a negative when you know, you look at the state the club was in by the time they sold to Ajun, and, and I think Ajun has even commented on the fact that the club was in such a strong financial position and that was a huge part of why he was able to or why he was attracted to buy the club. Um, it's a huge credit to them that they did run the club in such a responsible manner. And, you know, there'll be arguments about whether they were ambitious enough or um, had um, 
had uh, the sort of that ambition to, to put money in and, and fund a huge squad. But, you know, at the same time, you can say that they'd never put us in any sort of financial peril. And um, I think that's a huge credit to him and, and the way that he ran the club. Yeah, and, and I think I remember there was talk, you know, when he first took over the club that he, he's a businessman. You know, he wasn't really a football man and, and these sorts of things. And being a local, he wanted to do things for the local community and those sorts of things. And um, and to be fair, he did. You know, like you said, he, he took us off the canvas, lifted us up to, to pretty lofty heights. Um, and let's face it, whether he's a businessman, a fan or supporter, it was his money and his intervention that got us to those points. And um, he, you know, certainly from historical perspective, uh, for where we got to, he'd go down as one of the best owners that we've had for that period. Yeah. So, um, yeah, rest in peace, uh, old man, because he certainly gave us something to talk about. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's move on then um, and we'll play our game of Who Am I? And then we'll finish off uh, with a preview of the Watford game, uh, if you're good to go. I'm good to go, but I'm actually nervous now. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you your first clue. Um, I made 293 okay. appearances for City, scoring eight goals. Okay. No, nah, that doesn't give me anything, mate. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I reckon actually you might be able to get it from this, this next clue, so we'll say. Um, I joined City in 2003 and I left in 2013. Two thousand and three, did you say? I did, yeah. So that would have been I think that was League Two. Twenty thirteen okay. was uh Brucey. Ten years. How many appearances did you say? Two hundred and ninety three. Okay. All right. And if, if not, you'll definitely get it on the next clue. Okay. Do you want the next one? I think I'll have to, mate, yeah. <laughs> I played at left back and wore the number three. Oh, Andy Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was, yeah, yeah, it did, I that did get... Actually. Yeah, I, th I thought you might have got it off the um, the 10 years at the club, but um, yeah, I, I knew as soon as I said left back, it was... Uh, it's gonna be a gimme, but yeah, well done. Yeah, no, Andy Dawson. Um, I gave um, I gave Dan Liam Rosania a couple of weeks ago, and he was similarly stumped. And I think he actually had to go all the way to, to hearing the initials before he realised who it was. Um, so oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, it was a bit of a funny one, but uh, no, all good. Okay, well, we'll move on then. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk Watford this coming Sunday night. Um, interesting element of this as well is, of course, that they have Ishmael Asar, who I. Th think played in the most recent Senegalese game against England. Um, I'd have to double check that. But there's the potential then, of course, that he might not actually start for them against us this weekend. He's obviously, I'd probably say, their most dangerous player. Um, you know, they're coming fourth in the table now. They've won uh, three of their last five, I believe. Um, and I, I actually was surprised when I was looking up our history against them. We haven't played them since uh, Marco Silva was in charge and we won 2-0 where uh, Kluka scored that absolute screamer of a volley after, I think, Nias got red-carded. So 
it's been a fair while since we've actually faced Watford. Wow, okay. Well, I mean, I always think of that great day when we played Watford away in the playoff semi and yeah. Barnby stuck one in and um, we played in that sensational white away kit. That's my, my, my Watford memory. But um, I think probably the, the thing that I'm really happy to look at is now that Racine has had this break um, and, and they've obviously been away and they're working together on this, this next phase, if you like, I'm, I'm really interested to see what his, his footprint looks like now. He's had a few weeks to mould things a bit more his way. There was a, certainly some good signs against Reading that, oh, yeah, well, I'm impressed with this but that really only lasted 30, 40 minutes. Um, yeah. And we know that, you know, previously Andy Dawson had talked about the fact that we, we were going wandering in the last 20 minutes of games um, and we've got to sort of hold on for those whole 90 minutes to be able to actually grind some of these results out. So this one seems to be another one of those ones where, okay, you can look at Watford any which way you like as being a Premier League club or thereabouts, but... To be honest, now we've got to basically just look at every fixture that we're we're angling for some points, um, and we know Watford's form hasn't been too bad, so we've just got to be able to say, well, based on what we think here, we've got to try and aim for a point. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, so I just checked. So Saad did start, and he played the full ninety minutes against England. So there's every chance that um, that he won't be in the starting eleven for them on the weekend, which is a bit of a boost. But of course, for us, Oscar's still. I think he's serving the third match of his. Um, red card suspension, which um, is a bit of a shame. I guess it would probably mean that Longwin's up top again. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I sort of alluded to it before with um, Ali not getting minutes in the in the two uh, friendly games. Um, it'll be interesting to see what our eleven actually looks like and whether we've got any of our injured players back. But I'd almost assume it'd be pretty close to the the eleven that we played. Um, I guess in that second friendly against Trabs and Spore. Or even the Reading game, I can't imagine there's there's going to be a whole heap of changes from that side. No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, the Reading game was the first time. Well, it felt like Rossinho had stamped his idea on that formation side of things, but we weren't playing mm. anything other than what I think he thinks is our strongest formation, which is playing those those four at the back. Um, be it the fact that you know that the fullbacks have given a bit of license to obviously get up and back. But I think as well, the, the only thing that, like it's funny that you mentioned about suspensions and so on, the only concern I've actually got playing Watford is is on on the attack side of things. I think like you yeah. mentioned, if we're still leading lines with Longman, uh, I, I can't see us scoring, say, those two goals that are going to get us three points. Um I think defensively we looked okay against Reading. We had a couple of moments where we probably got a bit scary, but I think that might have also been the formation with playing those two midfielders sort of a, a little deeper. But um, I think against Watford, the only thing I can think Racine is going to do, if he's not going to play that same formation, is because he's worried about something on the Watford side of things. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And look, like you said, it'll be really interesting to see just how much he's been able to work with the squad because um, I'm trying to think it was Millwall was his first fixture and he was only in charge for a day or so before that game. And you could already see in that game um, the impact that he was having. So for him to have two, two and a half weeks with the squad now um, hopefully means that he's able to really get across his ideas, get that structure working, 
um, and we'll we'll see almost a, a, almost a new city in, in the sense that the way we'll be playing, the way we'll be linking up will be quite different. Um, and as you say, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I still find it remarkable that we signed 16 players in the summer and, and we're only, you know, two injuries leave us with basically Longman and Tyler Smith as our only real striker or attacking options. Um, I mean, we've got Pelkus and Cynic and... Um, Oh, I mean, that's probably the main options, isn't it? I mean, Salah's, Salah's potentially one of those sorts of attacking players, but I think he's still out injured as well. Um, so it'll certainly be interesting to see. I, I'd assume that we'd go the same 11. So you've got Pelkus and um, potentially Cynic would come in. Um, I, I don't think he started against Reading, um, but it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Um, are you So you, you're sort of basically saying, like, look, if we can get a draw out of this, that's probably best case scenario? Well... Yeah, look, I think so, because I think the only thing I'm sort of considering here is the fact that, you know, obviously from a goals perspective, to, to basically put it beyond doubt, we're going to have to score two or three. Um, and if you go back to the last time we did that, that would be what the, the Cardiff game, which wasn't Cardiff, that yeah. long ago, but that, that was really on the back of Slater's efforts. That wasn't anyone leading the line or, you know, and, and you hate to say it, but... Obviously, you know, Oscar is a proven goal scorer. We, we get that. But like you said, it's almost like we don't tend to have a backup for Oscar. I know we've got yeah. players, and don't get me wrong, we've got strikers, but we don't have an out and out. You know, and it's funny enough that I was talking to someone not long ago who was talking about Will Keane. And yeah. He's still running around. And, and in the end, I'm not saying for a minute we'd have him back, but isn't it funny that basically he scored pretty much the same, if not more, goals than Oscar this year? Yeah, he's so having a great season at Wigan. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about a backup or someone leading the line. Um, we know Will Keane could do it. He wasn't our popular choice, but he could do it. Um, and he is doing it. So yeah. I think that's still probably the thing that... And maybe Racine needs a January window to be able to get what he wants there but clearly we know you go through the, the goal scorers for the league in the last three or four years it's the same blokes that are always in that top 10 and it's almost like other than Oscar being a real chance we don't have anyone else knocking on the door yeah to be that top 10 and that's what we're going to need to finish top half well yeah it'll be interesting to see when Ali gets fit um, he's probably the other one and potentially Tete as well. I think he's not back until the new year though, but I think those are the two I would think of. I mean, Pelkis is showing it in, in bits and pieces, but those are probably the players I can think of that would really need to step up and start to contribute a lot more. And and even Oscar's really gone a bit dry after that, that sort of purple patch he had towards the start of the season. So um, it, it will be interesting to see what Rosini is able to get out of the side over the coming weeks. Yeah, and look, when you talk about, you know, you talk about Saar, you know, as, as an example, mm. I mean, it's not just the fact that uh, he, scored goal, he scores goals, it's what he does. You know, he is a threat, either shooting on goal or providing, you know, he's, put it this way, you'd, you'd be pretty happy if you had Saar running around in our yeah. Um And so I suppose that's still that, that element that I don't feel like we've had Right, for a few years now, we all know that getting a top-shelf striker is, is hard work and you can't put all your eggs in one basket either because if they get injured, then you've got this problem. But it's almost like we've pinned a lot on Oscar just being the great hope. Um, and realistically, when you get weeks like this where 
we've got to score multiple goals really to get past Watford. Um, we're then relying on a Slater or someone else to chime in. It's, that's that's where I think our downfall is. But having said that, mate, we haven't given Rossini a full crack at it yet. He may play a formation that allows for more activity up front. So yeah, we'll see. And look, it'll be it'll be really fascinating in the new year when we've got um, even Traore, who we haven't seen a single thing from, um, yeah. Salah. Um, Ali, Tete, all of those guys back, it will be almost an entirely new 11. So um, I, I just hope that we get to see that fully fit squad and see what they're capable of and we don't get more sort of unfortunate injuries, sort of knock on wood, that we can keep the squad fit and actually see what they're capable of because I think there's a lot yeah. to be um, admired about the City squad. It's just that we haven't seen them on the park at the same time um, over the start of this season. So, look, I think, I think you're right. I think it draws probably... Um, something to aim for against Watford, maybe a 1-1 draw or something like that. Um, if we could sneak a 1-0 win, you know, maybe get like a scrappy... I'm sort of thinking like Bournemouth last season when Longman scored like 85th minute or something like that might be our best bet. But um, look, it'll be it'll be good to have City back in action. I mean, the World Cup's great and enjoying watching it, but it'll be good to have City back. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it draws... Look, if we're being realistic, if we could pinch a draw, I think we're... You know, we'd, we'd be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thank you for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Um, we'll be back this time next week to review, hopefully, a very happy three points against Watford. And until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back cause you're out